This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. And I'm Lyle Southwell and this is... Mongolash. And we are about to get into our Encounter with God 20 Million Movement Bible Study. But before we do, Mon, give us another clue for our quiz. Nobody's got this one yet. This is going to make it super duper easy. Okay. Okay, who am I? Clue number four. After being dead four days, as in one, two, three, four days, I was raised by Jesus. Hmm. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one or text us on 0491-064-669. Of course, when we, uh, before we get into our Bible study this morning, we do need to remind our listeners that we uh, will be closing on the 11th of October indefinitely. The breakfast show will be coming to an end, um, something that we're super sad about. Uh, but at this particular point, the uh, continuing on with the breakfast show has become unviable. And as a result of that, we will be closing indefinitely. And we would love to hear from you guys. If you can uh, shoot us a message of uh, support, that would be fantastic. We can pass that on to uh, the powers that be. Um, and hopefully they will be able to find a way forward uh, somewhere uh, to make this uh, program continue on. Um, we believe that this is something that God has brought into existence. We know that you do as well. And so we would love to have your support at this particular time. Okay, so um, 1-800-324-843 is the number again, or text us on 0491-064-669. Guess what, Mon? Tell me everything, Lyle. Uh, You've turned into a frog. Uh, No. Do I look like a frog? The queen is pigeon-toed. Um, I don't know. I've uh, not been close enough to Queen Elizabeth to actually make that uh, analysis. The world is coming to an end. I, I have been. I have been close enough. I've been. I've been within five meters of Queen Elizabeth. Really? Mm-hmm. How did you manage that? When I was a little kid uh, in primary school uh-huh. in Glenhuon in yeah. Tasmania, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Queen. Visited Tasmania on the Royal Yacht Britannica. Oh, yeah. So I was super keen to go up to Hobart and see this yacht. When I got there, it was actually a ship, <laughs> like a cruise ship. It wasn't a yacht. Yacht has a mast and sails. I like how you're like 0% interested in seeing the Queen. You just want to see a boat. <laughs> <laughs> and so our primary school that had uh, between year one and six a total of 12 students. <laughs> a little country primary school with one teacher, well, one teacher school. We went on a school excursion. To see the Queen. To see the Queen, as, as you do, you uh-huh. know, as you do. And so we, um, we stood in line, you know, and sort of way off in the distance as uh, she, she uh, inspected the... Um, the weekend warriors, what do you call them? The national, the the, the 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 reserve, the army reserve. Okay, yeah. Um, all turned out, and she she did her inspection of that. Walked backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, up and down the lines. Um, yeah, not quite sure what she accomplished by doing that, but <laughs> anyway, she got some exercise. We were there. super enthralled, and she was a speck on the horizon. It's like, oh wow, that's the queen. We've seen the queen. We just like little kids could not believe it. Anyway, since we'd made the long trek to Hobart, which, uh-huh. you know, in Tasmania, to go from Glenhuon to Hobart, you spend the day. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't go that kind of a distance and not spend the day. Right. That's like, you know, 40 minutes drive. Uh-huh. 
Um, well, back then it was probably more like an hour's drive. Um, so we had other things that we had on during the day, and I can't remember what they were. I'm getting sidetracked, aren't I? Really, but go on. I can't remember what those uh, what those um, the rest of the our school excursion was. I think we went to like to some famous buildings or something, or other that were completely boring. Um, <laughs> anyway. As I remember it, we walked out of one of these locations and as we did, a whole bunch of police cars came by and um, our teacher was like, maybe maybe the Queen's entourage is coming. And so we went running down to the corner. Big old Rolls Royce pulls up to a stop at the corner. We're standing on the curb. There's the Queen sitting in the back seat. We're waving to her. She's waving to oh. us. And she was right there, and we were we, we just we were we were in the in the box seat to see the queen. That's really cool. I had no idea this whole time you've seen the queen. There you go. There you go. I've seen the queen. <laughs> That's a great story. Up close and yeah, but not quite personal. Not quite personal. She was in the car. Yeah, a, there, was, there was a window. She didn't roll the window down. I don't know why she didn't roll the window down, but maybe maybe that someone does that for her. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's probably because it was bulletproof glass and doesn't actually have a window winder. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I guess whatever you're asking me to uh, guess what has anything to do with the Queen, but what are you asking me to guess what about? Oh, yes. That's right. Back on track there. Super excited. Uh New Bible study starts today. Oh, really? We're in the last quarter of the year. Favorite kind of Bible study. Oh, is it Revelation, Daniel? No, but it's a book Bible study. Oh, okay. Oh, which book? I like the book ones better than the theme ones. I don't know why. I just love doing books. And this quarter, we have not one. But two books to study. They kind of go together. Which books? Ezra and Nehemiah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. It gets even better because not only do we have two books to study, and this is a book Bible study, but these are books about history. Aye. So For those of you who are wondering what on earth Lyle is going on about, this is a 20 million movement. So every quarter, so four times a year, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, uh, World Church, um, produces and prints a study guide. It's a very simple study guide. It has just a page per day for every day of the week. And then every weekend uh, on Saturday, on the Sabbath, uh, Adventists around the world will get together and go over what they studied in the week and also study the page for the weekend, for the weekend um, uh, study. And so 20 million people around the world study this lesson, this, this, they call it the lesson pamphlet or the study guide or the quarterly. There's different terms for it, but they study, um, the same passages, the same passages passages of scripture. Yeah. And they do it at home by themselves for their personal devotional study time. They do it in small group settings. Um, they do it with their families. They do it with their friends. And we do it here live on air. Um, so that is why, uh, we're very excited that this quarter has been, um, announced and published and it is a study going over Ezra and Nehemiah it seems I didn't actually know what the topic was for this for this quarter so you I'm very just excited. learned live you right here actually, you can actually get a copy of it yourself you don't have to sit here and wonder um Jump online. Yeah, jump online. You can download it for free as a PDF. You can. It's just a few dollars if you want to get like a, a hard cover. I mean, a hard copy of it. Uh, you can get it from the Better Books and Food Shop, uh, which, and they have an online presence as well, so you can order it online. Uh, you can actually just walk into your nearest Seventh Day Adventist church and say, "Hey, I'd like to get a copy of the lesson pamphlet or the study guide. Can I please have one?" And they will sort you out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not so much about the comments that are in it, but the passages that are 
read and shared. So it's yeah. about encouraging people to study their Bibles on a daily basis in their homes. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are all about here. We want you to study the Bible um, and, and can, receive the same blessing Yeah, we get. if you get a copy of that study guide, you can follow along with us. All right, let's go to guess which book. Uh, I'm really nervous because I haven't got my Bible, but I'm guessing Ezra. No. Nehemiah? No. Why? You a pooper. Uh, Genesis? No. Revelation. There's, uh, I think you've got 60 books Exodus, left. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, <laughs> Judges. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go to Daniel. Daniel? I said Daniel. Didn't I? Um, I, <laughs> no, I, I said I after Revelation. I didn't hear Daniel. I um, Daniel see. after Revelation because that's your favorite. Okay, so we're going to go to, to the book of Daniel and we're going to read Daniel chapter 9, uh, the first two verses where it says this. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I'm reading from the KJV. Of course you are, seed of the Medes. (laughs) The seed of the Medes, he was descendant, he was a Median, uh, a Kurd, basically. You know the Kurds? Yep. Yep, one of them. Um, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Okay, let's think about this uh, situation that we have here. Um, Daniel, Mon, tell me a bit of the background of Daniel. Why is he in Babylon? Who is he? What is his job? How did he get there? Uh, Give us a bit of background there. Right, so Daniel is a Jewish lad, Jewish boy, and um, when um, uh, the Babylonians came and conquered uh, his homeland, they took him captive because they wanted to take captive uh, all the, I guess, the elites, like all the really smart people and all the intelligent people because they wanted to create like a world hub of learning and intelligence uh, back in their homeland. And so they carted him and his mates off um, to Babylon uh, where he was trained uh, in Babylonian, Babylonian ways and, uh, and taught all their different teachings um, from around the world and from, their, from Babylon, Babylon, Babylonia itself. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. But through all that, he actually stayed true to the one true God, and uh, and he was blessed, and he became very elevated until he became, I think, it was my prime minister, the equivalent of yep, yeah. Grand Vizier. Yeah, so he, um, yeah, he he was under the name Belteshazzar. Right, so they changed his name to something like local, and um, yeah, so that's yeah. that's that's a little nutshell of Daniel. Kind of the same as we uh, often find here in Australia when people come over from China or somewhere and give themselves a local name. Right. Yeah. It's just a little bit easier for us to get our mm-hmm. tongues around. Okay, we have this uh, this 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 record here, and what is significant about this is that Jerusalem was actually conquered three times by the Babylonians. Mm-hmm. The first time it was conquered by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar took all of the royal family, all of the nobility, uh, back to Babylon. He sacked the temple, like as in, took all of the wealth out of the temple and made it basically into a client state of uh, the Babylonian Empire. Um, he placed in position his own king and uh, went back to Babylon. And so then the king, um, Jehoiakim, that he put in power after a time rebelled against him, so he came back and destroyed the city again and took more people captive. 
And then you come all the way down to Zedekiah, who did the same thing. And, of course, Nebuchadnezzar came back the third time. And the third time, he completely depopulated the entire city, banned anybody from living there, and took the entire population of the entire country back to Babylon. Far out. And the idea behind this was actually to destroy the people as a nation, to break up their national cohesiveness. Mm -hmm. This was a nation that was obviously going to continue to give the Babylonian Empire grief. And it's like, okay, this nation needs to exist. And this was a policy that they used to do in ancient times, and it was quite a successful policy. Basically, it's like this. You take the population captive, you resettle them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that as they're resettled somewhere else, um, over three generations, they assimilate into the local culture and their um, national status disappears. Yep. Yep. Something that has never Swallow happened. Something that has the Jewish people are the only people that it has never happened to. Did you know that? Oh, really? Spread right around the world as a you know the diaspora, mm-hmm. um, and maintain their national identity right the way through. Wow! Yeah, it's quite remarkable. That is. Uh, but they never lost their national identity in Babylon, as they haven't done in in modern times. And here you find Daniel. As an old man. So he was Grand Vizier or Prime Minister under Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. But Nebuchadnezzar has passed away and a succession of his children have held the throne until uh, his grandson Belshazzar comes to the throne. When Belshazzar comes to the throne, um, cut a long story short, Belshazzar loses the empire to Cyrus the Persian. Mm -hmm. Cyrus the Persian places his uncle Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, um, of the seed of the Medes. He places him on the throne of Babylon. And so now Daniel has, as an old man, has been recognized as an exceptionally good statesman and has been placed in the position of prime minister once again by Darius the Mede. So this is a remarkable story from many different perspectives, but it's in this particular year that Daniel comes across a prophecy of Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah the prophet was a contemporary prophet of Daniel. Mm-hmm. But of course, in those days when you know they're obviously widely separated geographically, politically, um, separated in society. So Jeremiah was a poor prophet living in a life of poverty. Uh, Daniel was you know prime minister of the uh, of the whole empire. Uh, they did not necessarily have a lot of contact with each other, but somewhere along the line, uh, Daniel has been looking for this book that Jeremiah has written. Because he wants to read the Bible, he wants to read the words of Jeremiah the prophet. He comes across a copy of the book, he sits down to read it, and he is avidly studying it until he gets to chapter 25. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 25. Jeremiah chapter 25. And let's go to verse 11 and 12. Uh, Jeremiah 25 verse 11 and 12. This entire land will become a desolate wasteland. Israel and her neighboring lands will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Then, after the 70 years of captivity are over, I will punish the king of Babylon and his people for their sins, says the Lord. I will make the country of the Babylonians a wasteland forever. Okay, so here's a prophecy. How long is this prophecy uh, to last for? 70 years. And what's to happen at the end of the prophecy? 
Ah, uh, Babylon is going to get obliterated. It's going to get punished. Yep. And the king of the Chaldeans is going to be punished. Mm-hmm. So Jeremiah has written this prophecy. Uh, there's only one problem with the prophecy. What's that? 70 years they're going to be in captivity, right? Mm-hmm. But which captivity is that? Where do you start that 70-year period from? Do you start it from the first one where the nobility are taken captive? You know, Daniel and his friends and, you know, the king's descendants and so forth. Mm -hmm. Do you start it from the second one where, you know, the merchants are taken captive? Or do you start it from the third one where the entire population is taken captive? That's a good question. How do you know? Ah, Mm. there's a clue right here within the prophecy that tells you when to take it from. It says, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, says the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans. Uh, sorry, sorry, let me read that again. It shall come to pass when 70 years ha- are accomplished, I will punish the king of Babylon. So here is what you can do is once you find the end of the prophecy, you can backdate it. Okay. So you go from the punishment of the king of Babylon, and you can backdate it. And now you suddenly find that it is time for the release of the captives of Judah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But there's a problem. Another yes. One? The king of Babylon has been punished. The Babylonian Empire has been destroyed. And now the Persians are ruling, and the Persians know nothing about the Jewish people or their plight or their need or their desire to go back to their homeland. In fact, Cyrus the Persian has continued. He is continuing to lead his um, all conquering armies to continue to expand his empire. Darius the Mede is ruling in the city of Babylon. And the last thing that is on Cyrus's mind, the absolute last thing that is on Cyrus's mind, is the release of the Jews to go back to their promised land. I mean, really, they've been in there for 70 years. Why worry about it? Yeah. You know, you, after 70 years, you've pretty much assimilated. Do, I mean, do they even want to go home? Most definitely they do. There was a, a percentage of them, the Bible describes it as a remnant okay. who really, really wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. And we find that this is something that Daniel takes very, very seriously. Okay, so let's go back to Daniel chapter 9 and let's see what Daniel does as a result of finding this prophecy and realizing that the time is almost up. It has nearly come to an end. Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 3 and 4, please. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you are the, a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. Okay, so what does he do? He's beseeching the Lord. He is beseeching the Lord. And basically what you've got here is Bible study and prayer. Yeah. Daniel comes across a passage of Scripture about the captivity of uh, his people. And he goes to God um, with earnest prayer and confession. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's been prophesied. So why does he have to worry about it? Isn't it just going to happen anyway? That's a good question, actually. I don't know. If it's been prophesied, why would you worry? We'd be like, oh, it's going to happen either which way, regardless of what I do. Sit back and see what God does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting question. No, God expects us to be involved, Mm -hmm. and by us interceding with God in prayer, it gives God opportunity to fulfill his prophecy because 
you know, if God just comes down and does whatever he wants, Satan's like, well, you know, you said you'd give me 6,000 years to be able to demonstrate what my uh, kingdom is like, and now you're just interfering with it all the time. And mm-hmm. if we pray, then God can come, so, come down and say, yeah, that's fair enough, okay, but you need to understand I'm here by request. Okay, so Daniel sets himself to pray and to study. As a result of that, uh, you'll find that later on in the chapter, the angel Gabriel comes to him and gives him the greatest messianic prophecy of all time. Mm -hmm. We're not going to study that particular prophecy today. If you'd like to hear about that prophecy, you will have to be here or tuned in on Tuesday evening at 6 o'clock, and we will get into that particular prophecy right then. However... Before we continue on with the story and find out what Daniel did do, we're going to listen to The Lesser Light Collective. Sleeping in the lion's den Conspiracy of evil men Could find no fault in me For their pride and jealousy they threw me in the lion's den They said, oh king, won't you make a decree There'll be no prayer to man, oh God, but thee From thirty days now hence The guilty's recompense will be sleeping in that lion's den Well, I got down on my knees to pray Just like I always did three times each day For my petition and my plea They said I was guilty And they threw me in that lion's den Daniel, oh Daniel Lion of Judah on your side Daniel, oh Daniel Your deliverer, he will not be denied In sore distress and grief Well he labored for to rescue me But no earthly king can save That old lion stands a grave No escaping from that lion's den And at last he said there is no hope for me But for the God I serve continually And a stone was brought and laid At the mouth of that lion's cave Sealed me in the lion's den Daniel, oh Daniel Lion of Judah on your side Daniel, oh Daniel Your deliverer, he will not be denied The king went to his royal bed he could not eat, sleep had fled At the break of day he came Made haste and called my name Are you still there in that lion's den? Well I said, oh king, live eternally I was found blameless before God and thee well, I trusted in his name Saw an angel came Shut the mouths inside that lion's den Daniel, oh Daniel, Lion of Judah on your side Daniel, oh Daniel, your deliverer, he will not be denied 
might deliver a can deliver me Cause just like me he was Sent to death by evil men Condemned without a cause Three days, three nights with the stone shut tight In the tomb in the ground you lay Through death he defeated the power of death Conquered the enemy So one morning soon and very soon The king will call you from your tomb That old roaring lion's been slain No more power in the grave Delivered from that lion's den Just like Daniel, oh Daniel, Lion of Judah on his side. Daniel, just like Daniel, our deliverer, he will not be denied. My deliverer, he will not be denied. Our deliverer, he will not be denied. You're listening to the Lesser Light Collective here on Faith FM. Mon, give us another clue for our quiz. Okay. Nobody's got this one yet? I know. The phone's been ringing? Well, you know, it, it's, not, it's not the easiest one. Who am I? This is the last clue that we have to do DIY clues live, by okay. the way. Okay, i got plenty. My sisters are Mary and Martha. Okay. Who, I had two sisters. Who is the sibling of Mary and Martha? Mm-hmm. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's the number, 1-800-324-843. And there will be a prize coming your way yes. if you can figure out the answer. Nice, big, fat, beautiful copy of Acts of the Apostles. Really great read. Real page turn of this book. Okay, we're going to go to uh, Daniel chapter 10 now. What you find is that Daniel begins to pray in Daniel chapter 9 because he recognizes that the time has almost arrived. And when Daniel chapter 10 comes, it's time. Mm. It's it's like it's, it is now time for the exiles to be released and to sent back to the promised land according to the prophecy of Jeremiah. And so do you think that Daniel just uh, sort of lets up and is like, yeah, no, don't need to worry about it. We won't need to worry about this anymore because God's got it all in hand. Is that what Daniel does? No, I think he's probably a little bit freaked out and wants to pray real hard about this. All right, let's uh, begin in chapter 10 and verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Okay, let's stop there for a moment and consider you know, this particular passage here because Daniel is fasting and praying. Mm-hmm. It's not the kind of fast where he doesn't eat. It's the kind of fast where he has just gone simple food. Yeah. S- vegetables, water, that's it. Um, not even using any moisturizer? L- lotion. <laughs> yeah. That, had really that was a big thing back in the day, apparently. Okay. Okay. Particularly for, you know, people in the upper e- echelons of society. And he was, you know, pretty much at the top. I wonder, I guess maybe that's what they say, soft hands, you know, people who don't do any sort of rough labor. Maybe that's where it comes from. I don't know. Because they'll use lotion on their hands. But notice here, this is now the third year of Cyrus. Mm-hmm. It is time. And he is fasting and praying. For three weeks, he is fasting and praying. 
He has a vision. In this vision, and I'm going to cut a, uh, a long story a little bit short here, he sees Jesus Christ. Wow. That's pretty special. In fact, let's just read it. Why don't you read for us, um, yeah, verse 5 and 6. I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing. <coughs> Sorry. I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His eyes, his face flashed like lighting and his eyes flashed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Wow. That's Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. If you read Revelation chapter 1, you find the exact same description right there of Jesus Christ in his glory. Mm-hmm. And so Daniel, you know, he, he meets Jesus Christ face to face. So he's been praying for three weeks and for three weeks, nothing has been happening that Daniel can see. Mm. And that's the important thing because this is one of the other places in the Bible other than Job where you get a behind-the-scenes look into the great controversy that is waging. He's just praying. He's fasting and praying, and from his perspective, nothing is happening. But then he notices, you know, he's down by the river Hittichel, he's fasting and praying there, and as he's there, Jesus turns up and he's like, wow, Jesus is here. He he loses all strength. He basically collapses at this particular point because it just overwhelms him too much. And so uh, Gabriel comes to him in verse 10 and uh, helps him out. Do you want to read for us uh, verse uh, 10, 11, please? Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Okay, this is interesting because at this particular point, um, Daniel is pushing 90. Mm. He's an old man. Mm -hmm. He's prime minister of an empire, so he's sprightly. But he is pushing 90, and that's about double the expected lifespan in those days. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, you kind of know why when you read Daniel chapter 1 and read the lifestyle that he lived. It was a... uh, it was it's, it's what you know modern day lifestyle medicine people recommend today is exactly how Daniel was living his life, and so of course he outlived everybody else. Mm-hmm. But then Gabriel comes to him and uh, strengthens him, stands him up, gets him back up on his feet again, and uh, verse twelve and thirteen. Well, let's let's begin with verse twelve. We'll comment on that, and we'll, then we'll go to verse thirteen. Then he said, "Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God." Your request has been heard in heaven. I have come and answered to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Okay, let me, let me, let me, whoa, 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 back up a bit here. Let me read that from the KJV. It's a little bit easier to understand. Um, verse 12, fear not. O Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come for your words. This gives us a behind-the-scenes picture as to what's going on. Nothing is happening. God is not even acting. God has made a prophecy. He is not acting on his prophecy until Daniel starts to pray. And the moment that Daniel starts to pray, things start to happen. So the moment that Daniel starts to pray, the Bible says uh, that Gabriel comes in response to Daniel's prayer. He says, I am here because of 
your words. I'm here for your words. Evidence that prayer works. Evidence that prayer works. Mm-hmm. Now, Daniel doesn't see that, so he just keeps praying. He can't see that Gabriel has arrived. So Gabriel, on the first day, Daniel kneels down and prays, and Gabriel Gabriel gets commissioned from God, uh, get down there and get this one sorted out. Mm-hmm. And so Gabriel comes down here. And the Bible goes on, and it says, I came for your words. And it says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So there is a battle taking place here between the prince of the kingdom of Persia and God. God wants the Israelites set free. Mm. But it does not seem like the powers that be here on this earth want the Israelites set free. And so they're stubborn and they're not listening. And God is working on the hearts and uh, the heart of Cyrus. And Cyrus is not listening, and Cyrus is stubborn, and Cyrus is not being impacted, and nothing is happening, or Cyrus is distracted, or Cyrus is... Who knows what is happening? But what you see here is you have evil angels on one side, you have righteous angels on the other side, and they are battling it out. They battle it out for 21 days. And for that 21 days, Daniel does not stop praying. Okay, and then what happens? Bible says the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days and then somebody else turns up. Who is it in the middle of verse 13 there, Mon? Michael the archangel. Michael the archangel turns up. And so, which is a another name for Jesus Christ. Now, I know a lot of people, they get, you know, bent out of shape over that and you can't say that Jesus is an angel. There are a multitude of verses in the Bible that say that Jesus was an angel. Let's not get sidetracked onto that one. The angel of the Lord is another word for Jesus throughout the Bible. There is just so many verses. You know, the angel that redeemed me, the Bible speaks about, etc. The word angel does not mean a created being. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus does not have a beginning. He is the eternal God. The word angel means messenger. And Jesus is God, and as God, he is a messenger. And here what we see is that in answer to Daniel's prayer, Jesus himself leaves heaven and comes down to this earth. When it's too hard for Gabriel, Jesus turns up, and he'll do exactly the same thing for you if you ask him.
Hi, I'm Peter Watts, and I'm sure, like me, at some time you have asked these questions. Does God exist? Is there anyone out there? And is God for real? As an atheist for years, my answer to those questions was no. But since then, I've had to reconsider the evidence. Evidence that points to a God of reason, science, love, and hope. I'm inviting you to discover these answers for yourself in my exciting new series entitled, Is God for Real? You can hear Peter Watts starting Saturday. October 19, 7pm, Erin a room at Erin Affair. That is Saturday, October 19, 7pm, Erin a room at Erin Affair. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. Often pair You and I were made to 
Welcome back, guys. It is question of the day time here on Faith FM, and Mon is about to uh, read us our question Before of I the day. Before I do that. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm announce the winner. Winner, winner, vegan chicken. No! I wanted to make custom clues. Go on. Do one, then. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. Man, <laughs> this man, his name starts with the first same first letter as my name. Uh, that's the big custom clue you wanted to Absolutely. share. That's the big custom clue. Absolutely, right there. Starts with See, an we, L. we have something in common. Well, too bad because Felly has I'm answered it. it. Good on you, Felly. Oh, in South congratulations, Felly. Go, Felly. I haven't heard from Felly in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Felly has answered the, the quiz. The answer, of course, is Lazarus. Lazarus was the one who was raised the dead. Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. Uh, and now it is time for question of the day. Uh, Feli, by the way, we're sending you a copy of Acts of the Apostles. Wonderful book. You're going to love it. Okay, this love is a it. super cool question that came through. I'm really, really keen to get into this one. Is it this one? That's the one. Okay, okay. You ready, Freddie? Do you want me to video no, this on your sorry. phone? Okay. Uh, if the RC Church... Roman Catholic. If the Okay, ooh. If the Roman Catholic Church was the first church, and if they authorized the Apocrypha to be in the final inspired canon of Scripture... Then what gave the more recent Protestant churches the authority to remove these from the final canon when God clearly declared to not add to or remove any writings from the Bible? Okay, first of all, I would dispute very, very much from any standpoint of history that the Roman Catholic Church was the first church. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no historical basis for that whatsoever at all, even though there are repeated claims of that. The first church was the church in Jerusalem, not the church in Rome. The first church council was held in Jerusalem and not in Rome. Uh, by the time you get to church councils being held and sponsored by Rome, you're like 400 years down the track. That's a long time period. That's like going from now back to the 1600s. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so there's a very, very big gap right there. Uh, the Bible is crystal clear. And I say crystal clear that Peter was not the first pope. These are these are all questions. If you've got questions on them, send them in for question of the day. I will I will love to give you the history on all of that. Okay, so that's the first point to make. Uh, the second point to make is that um, the Roman Catholic Church was not the first Christian church, but it wasn't the first church from any perspective because the first church, the church in let's think about the church in Jesus' day. All right, mm-hmm. let's think about the Bible that Jesus used. Okay, so the church in Jesus' day was the nation of Israel, correct? Correct. So it was a national church, and then it became an international church when it went, for, went to Christianity. The Apocrypha existed in the church in Jesus' day, and Jesus rejected the Apocrypha. And the reason, I mean, apart from the fact that, you know, he is God and he knows what's inspired and what is not, uh, but... It was not something that was even debated with Jesus because the Jewish people in Jesus' day, on either side of the spectrum, the Sadducees or the Pharisees, across the board rejected the Apocrypha as being the inspired word of God. These were Jewish novels. Some of it was history, you know, Maccabees' history and so forth. So you've got a collection of novels, history and commentary. Nobody in the church in Jesus' day accepted it as 
the inspired word of God and include it in the Bible. And so if the church in Jesus' day did not accept it, what right does the Roman Catholic Church have to come along, you know, 300 years later and say, well, we're going to take these books that everybody knows as being uninspired history, commentaries and Jewish novels, and we're going to make them a part of the Bible. So that's the, that was, that would be the question that I would look at. Rather than what right does the Protestant Church have to get rid of it? What right did the Catholic Church have to put it in there in the first place? Mm. Now, of course, if we, uh, uh, look at what the Protestants did when they uh, put the Protestant canon together. Um, if you get a 1611 King James Version, it does include the Apocrypha, uh, but it's own separate section. So it's it's a it, it's different section from the um, from the rest of the Bible because it is recognised as being uninspired, but containing valuable historical material. Uh, but since then, we have not included it because, you know, the whole concept of uh, the Bible and the Bible alone, it's like, well, this is not the Bible, so why should it still be there? And it is no longer in uh, used by evangelical Christians today. So there's a short history on why the Apocrypha is not included. And if you read the Apocrypha, you'll find many places where it contradicts the established canon. So the established canon begins with the first five books of Moses and every book thereafter builds on those first five books and the Apocrypha uh, contradicts those. So we cannot accept them as the word of God. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you showed? Lord, help me, Jesus, I'm wasted in so.
Welcome back. You're listening to the Breakfast Show with Lyle and mine. We've come to the end of the show, but we are going to give away something for free. I'm going to give away a uh, copy of Prophets and Kings. This is a really great book. Uh, if you're really enjoying today's study um, and today's question, this is going to be a book for you. Prophets and Kings by E.G. White. It's actually in the same series as our giveaway to uh, our prize today. Uh, the Acts of the Apostles is number seven in the series, and this is number eight, written by E.G. White. Um, so this is on the back. It says the Israelites were not only children of Abraham, they were children of destiny. Heroes like Elijah and Daniel sh- champion God's plan for the world, but occasionally the chosen nation strayed to lesser gods. However, remorse always followed and a pursuing father welcomed them home, firm in his love and also firm in his discipline. So beginning with the reign of King Solomon and continuing down through the exile, this book tells incredible stories of the king's and the faithful prophets, and uh, it can really show you the uh, the raging battle between good and evil um, through this crucial period of salvation in uh, history of salvation. Um, and it shows always shows God's love for a wayward people and uh, offers a resounding call to heed the prophets so they as they are so often ignored. Give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM if you'd like to get a copy of this book. You can do it completely for free, just the first person through on one eight hundred Faith FM. And we had a nice message come through. I just want to share some of the message that is coming through as they, uh, as people hear about the closing of the breakfast show. Um, it says, Hi, Mon and Lyle and Faith FM team. My husband and I have really enjoyed your breakfast programs each morning and tuned in most mornings. We have really appreciated um, your ministry, have found it to be a, a real blessing. Pray it will continue in one way or another. God bless you all. Um, P.S. Starting off with sharing what you are grateful each morning inspired me to talk to take a prelims program at our church on gratitude. We are grateful for you guys. Amen. So we really appreciate these messages. Please keep them coming through because that is the way that we can pass it on to uh, the powers that be. And hopefully, you never know, we might might be able to uh, bring the program back. You have a wonderful, blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow morning after the seven o'clock news. Take care.